queer horror movie review show. This episode, we're looking at I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your creepy daughter's imaginary friend, Sean. And I'm a she-wolf in your closet, <laughs> Alex. I think you say, ow. <laughs> That's my name, ow. <laughs> uh, we're two queer horror nerds uh, living in Hackney. Our pronouns are they, them, both collectively and individually. <laughs> um, uh, there aren't many content notes for this episode, uh, apart from violence, yeah. uh, swearing, and spoilers. And craps. And some crabs. Um, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so, here we are again. Here we are. Hi. Um, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> no, we started a podcast because we couldn't leave the house. <laughs> no, uh, released in 1997, the film. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was written by um, Ken Williamson, uh, who has written many films, great films like Scream. Is it? Scream 2. Is it? The Faculty. Is it? Uh, yeah, like, basically <laughs> all, all of the films from the same genre of the, <laughs> of the same era. Um, but actually, Scream was picked up um, after he wrote this one. Um, this, uh, I know what you did last summer, didn't, nobody was interested until Scream was successful. Um, and then the studio were like, we want this one now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they like rushed it into production and they did it in, uh, 10 weeks, uh, to film the whole thing. Uh, and, uh, it was, the whole thing was ready in six months, um, because they wanted it ready for Halloween 1997. Oh. Um, the film was trashed by critics uh, upon release, but the audiences, however, loved it. Um, uh, the film was uh, number one at the box office for three weeks and ended up outgrossing many of the bigger budgeted films released that year. Um, the film is based on a book by an author called Lois Duncan, and uh, she absolutely hated the film and was vehemently opposed uh, to being reworked into a slasher film. Her version was a bit more kind of like point horror, like where there wasn't actually any death, and it was just like uh, they were just like being stalked by a mad person. But it, yeah, they weren't oh going to get course. killed essentially. <laughs> um, but apparently, this is probably due to the fact that um, her youngest daughter was mur- murdered by an unknown assailant um, in 1989. Wow. Um, uh, she said, as the mother of a murdered child, I don't see violent death as something to squeal and giggle about. Well, I, I don't write a book about <laughs> children being stopped <laughs> by a murderer then. <laughs> well, people process grief in different ways, don't they? <laughs> um... But yeah, so it's not that similar to the film. I guess, like, you probably have, if you buy the rights to a book, you kind of just buy rights just in case they sue you for it being vaguely similar. Um, But yeah, like, it's... You kind of buy the idea, don't you? Yeah, so, like, apparently the names are still the same, which is hilarious, the names are shared. Barry Um, and Helen. Yeah. Um, But yeah, nobody dies. Um... So oh, I'll scrub that off the reading list. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing that was really about her, though, as a side note, was that um, she likes to update her books every few years. So she'll go through and like modernise the bits that have gone like out of date. It's, it's like I've never heard of that before. It's weird. I get a blog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just write new books. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, um, also... <laughs> they get a, a, a grinder message saying, I know what you did last <laughs> Still. <laughs> I still remember all these years later what <laughs> you did. <laughs> but it's like, I remember what you did summer uh, 22 years ago. <laughs> uh, yours faithfully every year. <laughs> C- catch up soon. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to cut your hair again. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, so Williamson was also involved in Dawson's Creek, uh, rising Dawson's Creek. Um, There's so an that's, yeah, that's why when the the group goes down to Dawson's Beach, it's a reference to him. Um, so. Yeah, apparently, uh, so just jumping into some random trivia now. So apparently being, uh, despite being part of the main cast and appearing in many scenes together, um, Helen, Sarah Michelle Geller, and Ray, Pretty Prince Jr., only spoke to each other twice, like, in the whole of the filming. Um, and, um. You mean that the actors only spoke to each other twice? Yeah, oh no, on screen, but they had, like, very few, like, scenes together, essentially. Um, so they, yeah, they barely interact, but obviously, became good friends after the filming and eventually fell in love and married. Um, which is nice for them, I suppose. I think it's nice for us as people who, like, they were ubiquitous on our screens. Yeah. And and they just, they, they deserve each other. I'm happy for them. Yeah. Like, I was (laughs) obsessed with both of them. So it's, it's a nice match, mate. So I used to know a lesbian called Roxanne who looked at the spit of Freddie Prince. And I was obsessed with her. Cheekbones for days. <laughs> four days. <laughs> um, so, um, I, yeah, I haven't pieced this all together, so I'm literally just spitting out random trivia. So, um, apparently, uh, the chase sequence involving Helen. Uh, Who's Helen? Film, Which one's Helen? Sarah Michelle Gellar. This is the thing, like, when I was writing oh, the notes, the thing, the they've all got such boring names. Julie, Helen, Barry, and... Ray. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's like boomer names, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, her chase scene, like, when she's being sort of chased around and eventually disappears in the tyres, um, we is, is considered uh, as a, one of the best chase scenes in a slasher film, which I find surprising because it's not that kind of incredible. Maybe there's been better since... I I've, I feel like it's difficult to rev- to like think about this film fairly because it came out because when it came out and I think I I I've had much more fond thoughts towards its contemporaries than I do this one. I think it got got a bit lost in the shuffle. Yeah. So there were bits in this film that I completely forgot were in this film and mm. thought were in screen. Yeah. Yeah, I guess actually also the, the her chase scene is quite kind of a long one. Like, you don't really get that very often. It's usually like, ah, dead. Yeah, and um, it kind of, it requires kind of ingenuity and bravery as opposed to just running upstairs screaming yeah. in a bra. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's surprising given the length of the chase scene that the death is so easy to miss. It's really odd, the death. So we weren't even sure she'd been killed. I'm still not sure. I can't, like... Was that body on the boat, her? Anyway, we'll get to that later, I suppose. Um, interestingly, talking of the boat and all the ice, I was looking at we were watching it, and I'd remembered I'd, I'd forgotten I'd remembered that I'd made a note. 
I remember that I forgot. <laughs> what? That didn't make any sense. But there you go. I'm sure you'll get the gist. But apparently the ice was actually made of gelatin. I mean, it definitely wasn't ice, was it? No. <laughs> it didn't look like wibbly. I guess maybe it was like really firm gelatin. Um, um, but yeah, because well, it would have been too cold. Well, it would be hardened, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be like... Well, yeah, but I mean, like, jelly is, like, wibbly. Yeah, but gelatin, you can harden, can't you? you well, you can harden gelatin oh, if you well, like. maybe I will. Oh. <laughs> um, apparently, um, yeah, the uh, ending was going to be slightly different. Um, and it was going to be, like, Julian... Uh, Julie James, that's her surname. Anyway. Yes. Um, uh, chatting online with Ray, very current. Oh. Um, Did the author she... go back and add that bit? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and uh, when she gets to the pool party imitation and then another person starts to chat to her in a tight box and says, I still know, um, then the colour jumps out on her. Of the a computer? computer? <laughs> I don't know, yeah, maybe. It doesn't say. Um, and uh, it was, yeah, so it was meant to be that that was, yeah, it says the ending was used as a teaser trailer for the sequel. I don't remember the sequel at all, but I guess it's not relevant because we're reviewing this film. We are. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I'm not sure I've seen the sequel. I definitely have because it's got like Brandy in it. It's like iconic. But um, ah. yeah, anyway. Um, so, uh, as I've noticed here, the second didn't make as much of an impact. And uh, apparently, most fans tried to pretend the director video third film, um, which had none of the original cast, added a supernatural element to the film. Uh, like, they ignore it, basically, and pretend it doesn't exist. I don't even know what it's called. Like, I was just like... I know what you did last summer three. I... No, I still maybe oh, the know... the second one is called... I still know what you did last summer. It's funny if they just kept adding stills. Yeah. I still, 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 still know no. what you did last summer. <laughs> I still haven't forgotten what you did two, three summers ago. <laughs> uh, brackets 1997. <laughs> there, there's something <laughs> about the summer of 1997 <laughs> that rings a bell. A distant bell. And I think it's bad. And it has to do with you. Um... <laughs> Apparently, as well, there's been a reboot in the works for many years. Like, that doesn't surprise me. It's like um, it's strange though because I feel like you hear that a lot about a lot of films. I wonder if that's just like a normal thing that people always talk about rebooting films and they just kind of like die out. But um, but yeah, it's written. Uh, apparently, there's a script already penned uh, by uh, Jeff Howard, who I don't know, and Mike Flanagan of uh, Haunting of Hill Houses fame, oh. and also Oculus, which you don't remember, but I love. Um, is Oculus the one where the uh, aliens have a funny language? No, um, oh. Oculus is the haunted is a haunted mirror thing, um, which I think is really good. I think we should review it sometime. Have I seen it? Yeah, yeah. You don't remember for some reason, I but I, I think it's iconic. Like <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, those those are all my facts. There's not tons on this one. So. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Anytime. So here we are, beside the seaside, um, a, a helicopter sort of angle view, uh, spanning around the sea, some cliffs, beautiful scenery. What a nice uh, uh, thank you, yes. Poetry. I know. Um, we uh, pan up to meet uh, a fellow uh, looking sad and forlorn uh, on a perilous cliffside. Uh, he's uh, looking sad, like I said, also drunk. Um, and he's playing with some kind of funny flippy coin thing. 
Um, and yeah, that's him basically. Um, <clears throat> and he's kind of looking behind him as if there's, yeah, there's a rustling. A, 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 there's a rustle and a boot. Um, uh, then fireworks, boom, splash. Um, not splash, flash. Um, and, uh, he's like, whoa. Um, and then it, it pans down and we're now, uh, at a pageant in town. Uh, there's lots of cute little, like, fish uh, pageants and lots of... It's like a fish festival. <laughs> yeah, like a fish festival pageant. <laughs> a festival. Uh, a festival, if you will. <laughs> um, and uh, we cut to um, a, a beauty pageant um, <laughs> happening inside the, the local town hall. Um, and uh, a selection of uh, beauties. Of, of a beautiful debutantes. <laughs> <laughs> Flashing an iron <laughs> But our camera pans into one pretty penny. Um, <laughs> our very own Sarah Michelle Geller, uh, who's playing Helen. Um, in the balcony at the back. Sarah Michelle Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Michelle Helen. <laughs> Helen Helen. <laughs> That's a full name, yes. Um, so, uh, so that we see that her, like, her pals are in the, the back at like at the top of like a balcony thing. And they're like talking about how great she looks and her boobs. And, uh, and then, uh, and Julie played by Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, goes, guys, I'm on sexist overload already. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, no surprises. Uh, Helen wins the pageant. Um, and then the, the gang all meet up at a party full of young people. Um, I did a funny when we were watching it. Can I share my funny? Please do a funny account. <laughs> Her name is Helen Shivers. <laughs> and this, when they announced the winner, they're like, Helen Shivers. And I said, I bet she does. She's barely wearing anything. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> we have a laugh, don't we? <laughs> um... At the party, uh, <laughs> giggles. Um, at the party, an awkward Max, who goes on in real life, uh, later fame, to be in, what's that geek program called? Big Bang Theory. Big Bang he's Theory. He's the, um, he's the main guy with the glasses. Yeah. His name is Johnny Galecki, but I can't remember his character's name. No, I don't know. Nerdy. Um, but he tries to ask, uh, uh, and I used to use the, the character's name is Julie, not Jennifer Ludfewitt, um, out on a date before she leaves town to go to college. And he's brought out some weird shot that looks like a shot of, like, Bloody... Not bloody yeah, Bloody Mary, actually. Um, oh! It's not a drinking game. We'd be not drunk, so we never say those words except when we're announcing it. Um, anyway, um, and so on a tray, um, and she's like, oh, no, I don't really want to. And he's like, oh, come on, we've known each other forever. Um, Which isn't a good enough reason. No. In walks uh, Barry. I've, you know, I've known some of my elderly aunts for the whole of my life. It doesn't mean I have, you to, have to drink, drink some, everything. They you have to drink some drink. soup and go on a date. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but in barges uh, Barry, um, played by Ryan Felipe. Um, and uh, he, like, pushes him out of the way and takes a shot. And says, like, to our last summer of adolescent immature decadence. <laughs> so, yes, normal words. Um, <laughs> That's how young people speak. <laughs> it's very, yeah, I suppose it's quite Dawson's Creek. A toast to our adolescence. <laughs> <laughs> 
our youthful qualities. Uh, our our <laughs> post-puberty. <laughs> I love having pubes. Uh, <laughs> a toast to my enlarged penis. <laughs> my and descendant testicles. <laughs> Wow, we're really not going to get through this. <laughs> um, <laughs> to my wiry bits. <laughs> <laughs> to wet dreams. <laughs> um, yes, maybe on. Anyway, so um, so they have like a weird, mild fight, like uh, uh, Barry and Max, um, and then like the girls are like. Oh, come on, guys. Let's go down to Dawson's Beach. Um, and it's like, oh. So then you see them, like, basically screeching around these kind of, these bends on this road, like, on the way there. And they get there, and they're just like, it's funny in, like, those kind of 90s films, so they're always just sitting around a big fire. It's like, who made that? Like, how long did that take? <laughs> anyway. Um, and um, so, yeah, they're just, like, needling and... Uh, and just talking about being sexual. Um, and, uh, but then, um, they talk a little bit about, um, the legend of the hook man or the hook hand. Um, and basically it's just a lot of like arguing about the details of what happens in that story. If only. There was a spoopy bit at the end of the podcast where someone could explain that story. I really hope there isn't. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> I would hate that. Oh, would you? I actually really like this bit because it kind of, um, it kind of, I think, quite kind of smartly demonstrates the uh, the kind of vagueness of urban legends mm. because they all have slightly different memories of what the story is and they all sound familiar to me. Yeah, they do, like the kind of the dripping or the scraping or the, yeah. The hook all... left on the door yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, maybe later we'll find out. Maybe more, I, but I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> no. Oh, heaven for fun. Um, so. Well, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, so um, so at this point, uh, uh, Julie is off walking down the beach, I think trying to find Ray, and then Ray comes up behind her going, I'm going to hook you! <laughs> um, and she's like, no. And she made some comment about the hook representing a phallus or something, which was oh. quite funny. Um the, the, weirdly, they then go down to the, so they go behind a little rock and they're talking about, you know, how like, um, their relationship might not last, you know, like high school sweethearts are going off to different towns. <laughs> and, um, he says, oh, well, apparently high school sweethearts relationships are the most successful and last forever and ever. She's like, where did you get this information? And he puts his hand over his heart. Yeah, and it's like, I'm afraid that is not a rigorous research methodology. <laughs> <laughs> I would um, like this to be peer-reviewed. And then all of a sudden, like, he's kissing her. And, she, and, you know, it becomes this weird, that 90s trope where the guy's like, are you sure? Are you ready? And she's like, yes. And then, like, it cuts back to, like, um, the, the other two by the fire and then, like, yeah, like, uh, Ray and, like, Julie come back from the rock and they're just like, hi. It's like, <laughs> well, wait, did you just have sex? Okay, fine, I suppose. Yeah. Might as well. It's just very kind of, like, <laughs> strange. It's, yeah, it is. It's actually that thing about the kind of, like, I'm not ready, you're ready, you're ready. It's a very 90s film thing. But yeah. it's like, it was kind of maybe the first foray into thinking about consent in, like, teen films. 
Oh, yeah. Um, That's interesting. Good are you ready to sit behind this rock in your bra for three seconds and then leave? <laughs> I think I'm ready. Okay, well, put your top back on. You'll catch your death. Back to the party. <laughs> We've got some killing to do. Um, so, so uh, yeah, they go back and they meet up again. And, uh, and oh God, I keep wanting to say Ryan Philippe. And, anyway, so Barry, Barry... <laughs> We'll just do it afterwards. Barry. Barry. Barry, whose car it is, is really drunk. He's like, no one drives my car except for me. Um, uh, But um, but, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., uh, Ray, actually gets the keys and is driving. Um, So they're they're going along listening to music. And um, Barry doesn't like this tune and puts Mm. on some sort of heavy rock music Mm. and gets out of the car like... What are they called? Those top uh, windows? Roof, roof window. What are they called? Sunroof. <laughs> <laughs> he climbs out the roof hole. Well, you know the roof window. He goes out the chimney <laughs> of the car. <laughs> <laughs> the chimney. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so he's like sort of going along. They're driving really fast. Um, all of a sudden, uh, sort of black masses in the road. Like there's like a no. kind of coat. Oh, so he drips. No, he doesn't drip. He oh, no, he drops his bottle. He drips his bottle. He dro- through the chimney hole. <laughs> um, and they're like, whoa, man. And uh, all looking around. But then they look around and they see this kind of like, it looks like a coat or something, like in the road. And um, they're like, boom, hit it. And they're like, oh, my God. And, um, and it like flat flips over the top of the car and like bashes into it. It bashes Ryan into, feet. yeah, which is so weird. It's like, I'm pretty sure if a body hit you, like, that speed. you would break your back. Yeah, but, he would. Anyway, uh, he just gets a bloody nose, so that's okay. But he um, says it's not his blood, he says it's... Oh, yeah, it's not so even his blood! Uninjured. In- invincible I'm somehow. fine, I'm drunk. Um, uh, well, you say that sometimes, don't they? If you have, like, a drunk, floppy body, it sometimes sort of saves you from more injury. Do they? So yeah. It never worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not dead, are you? Um, so... <laughs> Um, so, or am so, I? Or am? Or is am? <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. So then they're like all like screaming and they're like, "Was it a dog? Was it a deer? Oh my god!" Like, yes, um, it was a dog in a trench coat. It was a dog deer. We're doing a fashion walk. Um, and um, anyway, so then, like, you know, like, the girls are all screaming and they're like, "Oh my god, this isn't happening!" And um, and. Uh, uh, Ray is saying over and over, I, I couldn't see anything, I couldn't see anything, I couldn't see him. Um, and they look around, they find a welly. <laughs> they forgot, they're like, oh my god. And they look further and they find a man in the road, all like his face all bloody and gross. And, um, and, uh, Freddie Prince Jr., oh god, sorry. Um, Ray, uh, goes down to check his pulse. And says, I think he's dead. Um, and it's like, can you tell who it is? It's like, his face is all messed up. I can't tell. <laughs> um, so they all like, like, basically it's this sort of age old trope where the girls all argue about calling the police and doing the right thing. And the boys are like, no, let's cover it up. It'll ruin our lives. Um, so, um, yeah, it's like, we're going to get the blame for it. Whoever gets the blame. I don't think I wrote that line down right. <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I, yeah, they're basically saying it, no matter which of us they think was, cause they say they'll think that the, the Barry was driving cause mm. there was booze all over the front of the car and, and they were like, no matter who they think was driving, we'll all get into trouble. Yeah. And, uh, 
and uh, Barry says, "This is uh, this is your future, Julie. If we go to the police, we're dead." But he's already dead. So that's good. Um, so uh, just as they're like dragging the body, oh, so they decide to hide the body. Um, but um, I thought they were just going to throw it over the curb, uh, which looks like what they're doing. But then all of a sudden, Max pulls up from the party and is like, oh, what's going on here? Um, I'm nosy. Um, and um, and Judy comes up and goes, like, oh, hey, man, it's like, how are you doing? Nothing, uh, to, nothing see to see here. here. And then uh, Barry <laughs> pretends he's puking. And he says, oh, yeah, I didn't get, you want to get puke on the car. Um, and Matt says to the car, so we're kind of ruined. He's like, oh, no, Daddy's not going to be very happy. He's kind of like a sort of classic asshole without any reason to be asshole, asshole. Yeah. Um, it, well, he has got a reason because... His suit got stolen. This well, this because uh, uh, oh God, what's his name? Barry started a fight on him. Oh, that's that started, started a fight and, on him and <laughs> and made him look a fool. Quite the fool. Drank all of his soup and started a fight <laughs> on him. Um, so um, so yeah, then he's like being rude to um, Ray, sort of implying that he's poor and he doesn't deserve to hang out with all the rich people. And he's like, and <laughs> Ray's like, good night, Barry. Nice to see you, Barry. See you later, Barry. Just <laughs> <laughs> like driving away. Okay, I will yeah, Yes, fine, Barry. Okay, bye, Barry. Um, not Barry, Max. Um, and um, so, yeah, then Max drives off. Um, at this point, they then load the body into the boot of the car, which I completely forgot they did this bit, um, and drive it down to another bit of, to like, like yeah, like a sort of dock bit. Dawson's uh, Creek. Maybe. Maybe it's a Dawson's Creek. Um, and um, they're all on the dock, and they're still being like, oh my god, should we do this? Oh my god. Um, and, um, and then just while they're still deciding, like, uh, she's like, well, maybe we should check his wallet to see who he is. And they're like, I don't want to know, actually. Um, she's like, I think it'd be useful. Like, no, so it would have solved a lot of problems later on in the film. Well, I mean, it would, have, it would have eliminated half the plot, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So then, um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, I know what I did last summer as well, actually. So, <laughs> and it had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I know what I was doing. I was minding my own business. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, while they're still discussing what they're going to do, like if it's the right thing to do or not, uh, the body uh, wakes up and they almost directly beat it <laughs> and push it in the water. But as he's going in, he grabs uh, the, the the crown, Helen's crown, and um, so Ryan Felipe. Oh fuck. Uh, I just maybe I just get over the fact that I was saying that. I saying. think it's fine. We um, know who you're talking about. Like Barry um, jumps, oh, uh, <laughs> uh, jumps into the water to get the crown back and finds the 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 body, the man body, um, at, like at the bottom. And as he's trying to pull the crown away, he sees his eyes open and he struggles and pushes back and he like screams. Um, and uh, so yeah, so that's um, they all get out of the water at this juncture and. Um, they're just like, wow, that was a lot, guys. And they all make a little pact. Yeah, they well, they'll take it to their grave. And um, and Julie is just like, hmm, I don't know. 
Maybe mm. I'll take it to my grave. But, uh, well, maybe I'll take it to someone else's grave. <laughs> maybe I'll just take it back to my house. <laughs> and, and mull on it. No, no, Barry's like, fucking say it, Julie! And she's like, oh, I'll take it to my grave. Julie! Um... So one year later um, is on the screen at this juncture. We're at a college campus and uh, Julie is there. She looks awful. Absolutely she awful. She looks like a skeleton. And, and she's, her, her bangs are threadbare. Mm, this is this is another case of brilliant hair acting. Hair uh, where they like, <laughs> she's had a horrible time and so her hair is showing it. Um, I mean, her hair was pretty Well, it looks start. quite lustrous at the end when she's happy. Not a fringe. Oh, right. <laughs> but the rest of it look nice. Well, they should have sold the fringe. Yeah, still got some dead ends though. Um, anyway, so. So obviously uh, holding on to some residual guilt in her fringe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't actually do the best thing ever, did they? Um, anyway, so, um, so, and she's looking a bit kind of like, like a zombie or whatever. And, um, her unnamed black friend enters and says, um, we gotta get you some tan, girl. You are a zombie. Yeah, she's like, get your ugly ass. Yeah, like, yeah. All right. <laughs> your pasty ass. Get a tan on it, girl. Um, and, uh, she's pretty mean. Yeah. And then she drives her all the way home, apparently. She's uh, a chauffeur. Um, so, uh, so then <laughs> she gets out. And, uh, and she's at the same with her mum, and she's just looking terrible, maybe even worse. Oh, yeah. And, um, Cadaver-esque. Yes, and her mum's just like, are you doing drugs? <laughs> and she's like, no. She's like, you look like death. And she, she says, I've had a rough year. <laughs> <laughs> of doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd probably end up doing loads of drugs. Um... And uh, the mom's just getting more and more dramatic, kind of like my mom, actually. It's just like, <laughs> what happened to my daughter? Um, and uh, like your mum every time you get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> my lovely daughter. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, she's like, you never come home like my mum again. Um, she's like, and... Your, your father will be rolling his grave. Um, my dad is alive, so he won't be <laughs> That is so. so mean of her, though. Like, um, I uh, I, uh, what's happened to you? You're really sad and depressed. Your dead father would be disgusted at you. <laughs> well, so goodbye. I hope that helps with your mood. <laughs> that helps with the very clear case of depression <laughs> and guilt. <laughs> um, and uh, so then Judy gets a note. Uh hand-delivered, no return address. And she opens it, and it says in black marker pen on a lovely white piece of paper folded, um, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. Oh, they should call a film now. Uh, and she's like, uh, Mom, who sent this? And she's like, I don't know, let me see it. And she's like, nope. Um, <laughs> but then she does spend the whole night in the dark just looking at the note going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next day, sun is up. She's not looking at the note anymore. Um, uh, but we're at Shivers, uh, the local town stall. Um, Judy pops in, in her dungarees, looking like a bag of shit. And, um, <laughs> and, um, just a sad sack. <laughs> um, and, um, Elsa, uh, Helen's mean sister. Um, is also uh, played by like someone famous in the 90s. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know who she is. Yeah, I'd recognise 
Like, I'd be like, oh yeah, of course it's her, but I don't know who it is. Um, anyway, she's like, oh, can I get, um, Helen's New York number? Because Helen was going to go to New York to be an actress. And, uh, she's like, oh ha, she doesn't have a New York number. She's over there at the fragrance counter. And then you look over and she's like fumbling with some bottles. And they're just like <laughs> looking like painted up like a drag queen for some reason. <laughs> and, um, and so yeah, she goes over to talk to her. And she's like, uh, I've got uh, this note, by the way. Have you heard anything about this? <laughs> Seems like it might affect us both. And she's like, fuck, no. Um, and they're like, okay, let's go and see Barry about this. Um, so they go to Barry's house. And Barry's uh, wearing, uh, what do they call them, wife beaters, but I'm sure that's not allowed to say uh, that anymore. That's the white vest. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, Looking like a gay porn star. Yes, I actually made that note. Um, he is so beautiful. I just really don't like his sort of like, and it was a very 90s thing, that sort of like ramen hair. Very wet gel, <laughs> like with curly like crispy hair. Crispy noodles. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. But I'd still let him absolutely destroy me. Might as well. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so, uh, and he's like, what are you trolls doing here or something? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say that. Um, what are you bitches doing here? He says so horrible anyway. And says that they both are you cunts doing (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off, cunts. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, so then, but then he slags them both off for looking terrible. And it's funny because they both do look kind of awful in their own special way. Um, well, Buffy looks awful because she's like kind of dragged up. Yeah, <laughs> she's like wearing like loads of makeup, like but like a middle-aged like woman or something. Hair. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and she just looks awful. Um, so anyway, she's just like I think I think we're meant to think that Barry is like a drunk, although he's not drinking. He seems a bit drunk or something. Um, and, well, um, uh, Julie does call him an alcoholic at the beginning. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, so. Um, and then they're just like, oh, wow, this uh, is wild. Um, so do we know what he's doing with his life now? Well, I think he's, like, from a wealthy background. That's all I can tell him that he lives yeah, in this probably mansion. Probably nothing, then. Yeah. Just drinking. Drinking, might as well. Um, and uh, so um, rather than talking about uh, Ray, they go like, oh, I bet this is something to do with Max. Um and the, cause he saw us on the road that night, but he's like behind this. Um, so, uh, so then they all go down to the dock and, um, and, uh, Barry's like, wait here, I'm going to go and have a word with him. And, so uh, both Ray and Max work at the dock. Yes. They we are, don't know this yet. They are fishers of men. Yes. The men fishers. <laughs> um, and, um, anyway, so they, um, Oh god, I just got this horrible feeling that there was someone else in the house. Um <laughs> I did though. That... <laughs> well good, because you know that I am a calm, rational, and <laughs> an easily shaken person. Yeah, sweet too. Anyway. Oh well, thanks, I'll never sleep again. <laughs> he sees you. Um well, anyway. I, I, I guess I'll just kill myself. <laughs> anyway, so um Barry goes in to confront Max by a large tuna fish that's hanging up. Um, and, um, and he picks up a, like, hook that's hanging on some ice. And it's like, you better not mess with us anymore and send us stupid notes. Um, and cuts his face a little bit with a hook. Um, and, uh, Max's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, though, 
Um, and um, and then uh, and then the like, person like, oh, you just fuck off anyway. Um, and then leaves. And um, and uh, at this point, Max picks up a hook and sort of shakes it like, "Oh, good, get you!" Why are you on Yeah. And Barry comes out and he's like, "That's all done with. He won't be bothering us again." At this point, they bump into Ray, who's a man of fish, and, and is also wearing a black a vest, black vest, very and tight, looking like a dream angel from heaven. Yes. Um, and, um, so they then fill him in on what's happened. In fact, happened. in this scene, he looks exactly like that lesbian I used to know. He is, uh, my number one, I forgot to mention my number one crush of all time in the 90s. I was so, 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 so obsessed with him, yeah. Um, That's pretty normcore for you, you. Uh, there wasn't really much choice in the 90s, was there? Well, should I tell you who mine were in the 90s? Oh, I see, you're just showing off. Right, go <laughs> on then. Because I, I was, I had, I a, I had a more, uh, I had a more, uh, Elmo from Sesame Street. M- matured palette. <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, I wanted to be bummed by Ryan Philippe. No, <laughs> Brian Molko. Oh, I didn't fancy um, Brian, I wanted to be him. Uh, Mark Owen from Take That. Um, but he was like the little pretty girl out of the, <laughs> take that Fine. and also which is surprising because on revisiting him as an adult I don't find him attractive at all but the lead singer of uh, Babylon Zoo <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just because he wore a long silver dress yeah, and I don't yeah, care yeah, so. <laughs> um, yes no I was obsessed with him and actually me and Freddie Prince Jr. had the same birthday so oh, that's why we're I guess the that same. means you're lovers. I have the same birthday as Victoria Beckham. Um, I guess that means you're lovers as well. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, so they bump into Ray, they fill him in on what's happened, and he's like, yeah, it's definitely Max. Um, and uh, yeah, um, we're now uh, backstage at the uh, Fishatorium. Uh, where Max is, <laughs> and um, he's stomping around trying to be a little tough man in the fish lab. In the fish lab, um, and it suddenly becomes steamy um, for no reason, um, or foggy perhaps. Um, and um, and we see uh, uh, what I'm going to be calling um, the Slickerman, um, uh, who is a man wearing it's a time slicker. for your appointment <laughs> with the Slickerman, <laughs> who's a man wearing a slicker. The fisherman jacket. Did you know um, they were called slickers before this film? Uh, probably somewhere in the annals of my brain. In my anal brain. In my anal passages. <laughs> um, but I, I uh, no, I didn't remember really. Um, anyway, so uh, the slickerman uh, comes out, picks up the hook, um, and uh, and across uh, a table of mollusks. Um, I don't know what they are, clams maybe. Um, he, uh, he shoves the hook up through under his jaw and drags him over the table. Yeah, but before he, before he does that, he like yanks his head back down so it smacks off the table. Yeah. It's quite a vicious, vicious one. <clears throat> it um, is. And, uh, yeah, quite bloody actually. I kind of, I thought it was more mild. Well, most of the things are quite mild. Yeah, I think this is the most gruesome death. Yeah. Um, so. Maybe there'll even be small walls distributed. No, I don't know. Oh, okay. No, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so now, uh, we're, we're at the gym. Um, and Cooler Shaker is playing, uh, who played quite a few times during the film. No, I've seen Cooler Shaker twice. 
live. You are disgusting. This is weird. I actually, well, I, I liked them at the time, but I never saw them live. Well, um, you just obviously weren't a big enough cool dude. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> did, you, um, did you like that sort of like, oh, we didn't just die, die? so cultural appropriation. <laughs> I don't those words were ready yet. And did you know that. Um, Bindi's, of course, are very yes. good. Yes. But you know Crispin Mills, who's the singer from Cooler Shaker? Sure. He has. Uh, horror link. So his mother was. Uh, is it Haley or Heather? One of them's the. One of them's the woman with one leg, who's married to Paul McCartney, and the other one is Haley, Heather Mills. Sure. I think. Well, anyway, something was the child actress who was in loads of films. Uh, in the like sixties, maybe. But then she also plays the beautiful librarian in Twisted Nerve. You remember the blonde one? That's his mother. Wow, that was tenuous. Um, <laughs> I think it would be less tenuous if I'd have explained it more briefly. Okay, fine. Um, so, um, so yeah, because his mum was in opera. <laughs> okay, good. Um, anyway, so... Um, well, I'm sorry for trying to write uh, some if you're, Do you remember there was a time when there were child actors... Um, <laughs> Uh, one of them grew up and became an actress. Um, and became an and a mother. <laughs> anyway, so um, so yeah, we have Barry working out of the gym at this stage uh, with uh, a lovely, gratuitous moments of toplessness and showering. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, he runs around the, the locker room for. He sort of thinks he hears someone. I think. And so he's running around the locker room just in a towel um, for ages, which is uh, lovely. Um, and then um, he looks in his like locker and he's, he notices his favourite jacket's missing. He's like, my fucking jacket! <laughs> um, and um, and he goes, Max, you're fucking dead! Cause... He doesn't say the F word, does, yeah. he? does he? Um, well, he says, my fucking jacket. And he says, that yeah. is disgusting. Anyway. Um, apparently it was released as an 18 here isn't that shocking anyway that would explain why I didn't see it at the cinema yeah because I was 11 was Scream an 18 it must have been it would have been I think anyway I mean if you think about the standards of gore in the 90s we were less I mean it wasn't like the Saw films no um so, uh, so yeah, then he, um, he goes to the guy who's running the gym and says, like, is there anyone here? And he's, and the guy's like, no, just us. Um, and then, um, he puts on some clothes and then runs out into the road and sees a car, which we don't know whether it's his. I think it's his. It's not, it's not. Did you say that he found the photograph? Oh, yeah, sorry, I've missed that bit. So he finds a photo, what is it of again? It's of, it's his of car his car hit, parked uh, out the front of the gym. Yes. And um, on the back it says, still. No, it says, I know. Oh, yeah, it doesn't make sense still. <laughs> in back, it's, no. <laughs> and then it's more wrong what you did last night. <laughs> uh, last Asterisk, I. That was face. By the way, you look hot as hell. PTO. <laughs> further uh, information. Appendices back <laughs> to ten. We have the page says this page is blank on purpose. Please do not write on this Please respond to what happens. 
<laughs> very Tangina. Um, anyway, so um, so he runs out, sees his car. I'm gonna say. Um, I think it's the same car that hit the guy with actually, maybe. Yeah. Um, and um, and someone's driving it, and he's like, "Get back here!" I think at this point he still thinks it's Max. And so he, ch- he sort of runs towards the car, and the car comes towards him, and he's like... So oh. it reverses, and he chases it, and then it starts mm. driving towards him. Yeah, and he's like, oh my god, a car is bigger than me. Help. Help. <laughs> this um, is why I cannot win. I cannot win against But he does that frustrating thing, as if he was in, like, two dimensions, where he just he's runs in a straight, straight line. line. He's yeah. like, just step to the side. Yeah. I mean, the car can't over the hide behind that oh, little yeah. barrel on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um... And um, and then uh, the car drives into him and drives him through like a billboard sort of thing and through the out uh, the other side of some rubble. Um, at this point, we see this lookerman. Um, he gets out of the car, slinks out of the car, um, and uh, he has a hook and he raises it above his head. And Ryan Fleet's like, "Help me! Help me! Someone help me!" Uh, uh, we don't know what happens to him at this point. Until it cuts. Me and many seconds later in the next no, scene. Yeah, and we never find out what happens to him. So, um, so the next day, uh, we're in hospital. Um, and uh, he's in there. He's fine. Uh, well, he's not fine. He's a little bit cut up. A little bit worse where He's got a cast on the sand. And some, uh, yeah. some little scrapes. It is scrapes. Still looking beautiful, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, um, they... His, his noodles are matted with blood. They become moistened. <laughs> so that they're flaccid because they've been moistened by blood. There's a man going... And the doctor's got a little seasoning sachet <laughs> of MSG. <laughs> He's uh, sprinkling over it. He's slotting it away. Because they need a serious conversation. Um, so... Tying his hair with new chopsticks. Anyway. So, yeah. So, um, this they're all in the room now. I don't know how... One last thing. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> soy sauce. Is that what you're going to say? Ramen Philippe. <laughs> oh, that one. Um, so, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I noodle what you did last <laughs> Shut up! The end. <laughs> I super noodle what you did last <laughs> Anyway, um, so, um, they, um, Weirdly, for some reason, they're all now in touch with each other and get called because he's in hospital, even though they haven't spoken in a year. Um, nobody has mobile phones because it's the 90s. Um, so they're all at the hospital somehow. Um, and uh, no one else is. No parents. No one. Um, anyway, so um, and they're doing the same old, let's come clean. No, we can't. It will ruin our future. Or past, or whatever. Um, <laughs> ruin our past. It will ruin our past. Sad future. Maybe not the present. We'll be cancelled. <laughs> we don't want to get cancelled, guys. Hashtags don't exist yet. Um, anyway, um, and uh, they're just like, no, we can't. Like, um, and then um, they're like, how do they find out that it's like the guy's name? Oh, it's because Julie admits she's been doing, she did some research. Afterwards, and finds out that pers- there was a person find like found uh, in some shrimping nets 
Well, maybe just fishing, that's it. Yeah. Um, and his name was David Egan. Um, and it was only three weeks after they put him in there. Yeah. Um, so, um, they, so then she goes back to her place, uh, with Helen, and they do some, the, I guess, what, like, prehistoric Googling. Um, Ask Jeeves. Yeah, but it's, it's a funny, like, uh, fake internet where, like, just news articles just pop up in windows all over the screen. Um, and in 1997, uh, it would have been difficult to find that information online. 100%. Like, it was hard enough to try and find porn, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so they find out that um, he was survived. Um, by a sister and a mother, um, and they live out in the sticks, um, and so they're going to go and find out who she is and what's going on. Um, so uh, they drive up to this house. It looks iconic. It's like a giant wooden house um, in the middle of the nowheres, and um, and they <laughs> they, come, they knock on the door and nobody answers. So they start to climb through a window. Um, this juncture, they get caught by Missy Egan. Um, oh, Missy Egan. <laughs> um, who, uh, on your own research, uh, we discovered was a famous lesbian who went out with... Um, well, um, uh, bisexual. Bisexual. Okay. She, uh, she, her only relationship was with Helen. And after that, she only ever... Her only relationship with a woman <laughs> no, was with Helen. I can't remember her name. But she, um, yeah, apparently she said her career was, like, derailed. From being with Alan. Well, it's very being a lesbian. Well, yeah. lesbian being bi is like being yeah. in the same sex relationship. Oh, exactly. Uh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Because um, uh, she does sort of a mediocre job in this film, so that's how <laughs> that agree. first, and this won't mean anything to you, but at first, I thought she was. The, she really looked like the woman off um, Nip Tuck, who's the main woman. That means nothing to me. Well, no. So. And she is an English woman who's the daughter of Vanessa Redgrave. Oh, another thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so they meet uh, Missy, and she's sort of like is doing that kind of like nineties style acting where you pretend to be a bit mad by doing funny things with your hands, um, <laughs> and uh, and it's just like being a bit kooky. She's also got the um, um, the sort of like. There's like a sort of redneck sort of like, ah, I just I just live out here on my own. Folks yeah. don't bother me, and I don't bother them. Kind of yeah, even though on. she looks like she's sort of styled for like Vogue. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so so yeah. So anyway, she, they talk to her and they find out that um, they say like, didn't uh, didn't David have like a best friend, for example? <laughs> um, it's very uh, unsubtle. Yeah, they're and they're like um, they're like. She's like, oh, yeah, there was that one guy. What was his name again? It's all drawn out. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, his name was Billy Blue. Um, I would like to discuss Billy Blue. At a I would point. as well. It's unresolved. Um, but yes, and I... Yes, anyway. And so they're like, oh, we need to find this Billy Blue character um, at a later juncture. Thank you. Goodbye, Missy. It's so I mean, it sounds um, like a sort of euphemism or something. It does. Is. I've done a Billy Blue. <laughs> Billy Blue myself. <laughs> Pull off my blouse. Um, anyway. What's that on your blouse? Billy Blue. <laughs> a, belly bl- a Billy Blue on me. Anyway. Um, so back at home, uh, Helen is 
pours a tiny sip of Diet Coke into a glass and takes a sip and then goes upstairs. Um, as she's going upstairs, we notice the Slickerman um, uh, just sort of <laughs> disappearing around a corner before she, she sees him. Um, which is kind of funny because it like basically wait wait we'll get to this um, <laughs> I think she, this is a strange bit yeah so um, then she changes into her pyjamas and her room's very pink and kind of cutesy she still has her crown and um, <laughs> she's like holding it her sister comes and goes like oh look it's the stupid failure or something <laughs> like she's really horrible and she's like oh what do you want especially because she's like a gro- they're both grown women yeah no. oh look it's stinky bum bum yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pathetic loser face, loser. Um, and she's like, what do you want? She's like, nothing. And then she's like, brushing her hair. She's like, you and your stupid hair. So pathetic. <laughs> and then leaves. It's like, I must say, so the dialogue cool. is not... Uh, it's hardly uh, Shakespearean. <laughs> I do like that, though. <laughs> stupid hair. Um, so <laughs> Stupid hair on your hair. <laughs> Good night! <laughs> anyway, um, so she... Um, wakes up in the morning uh, and the crown is on her head and she's like, I don't remember that. And then she's like feeling her oats, no, feeling her hair. And um, all of a sudden she's like, oh my God, it's all and cut. Also, and also what we know that she doesn't know is that the Slickerman's been hiding in a wardrobe all night. Yeah, which is bonkers. It's like, so imagine if you're like a vengeful, murderous man and you have the, oppor- you know, have the opportunity to murder one of your people, but instead you just spend the night in a cupboard and like, teehee, gonna go, teehee. pathetic hair. Anyway. I think I would have had the foils out and like bleached them. Oh, what? I've woken up with beautiful rose gold. Oh my God. Have you seen, have you seen the Brady Bunch movie? No. It's, it's a very similar scene which is hilarious because like basically it's the, I'll, I'll do it briefly. Um, there's the older sister, Marsha, who's like really beautiful and perfect and there's the middle sister who just gets overlooked and is like picked on all the time and stuff. She hates Marsha because she's so perfect. And there's one scene where in the middle of the night she wakes up and like cuts all her hair off and it's really maniacal. She's like... <laughs> and then it's just like... She next day when she wakes up and she gets up, she's like... She's like, everyone's like, oh my god, what happened to your hair? And then she says, it looks incredible! <laughs> and she's like, no, no! <laughs> anyway, it's very much like that because she basically wears a hat for like one scene and then she she has like a new haircut, like she's got like a Jennifer haircut. You, you know, the hat that she wears actually looks like, have you seen that? It's a really viral thing. That, very um, viral. Very viral. You know, the X Factor audition where the woman who's a jockey comes in and she tries to sing the beginning of Cherish by Madonna, but she's just like, oh, just get my words out. And she's like, and then they all start laughing at her. She's wearing like one of those black. <laughs> I know, I'd feel sorry for her, but it turns out she's some like, sort of like, transphobic, like. Harridan from hell. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so well, fuck her, I'll laugh at her all I want. Yeah, <laughs> with a stupid hat. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, so then she looks at the mirror and there's like soon written in lipstick, and she's like, ah. Um, she calls. Um, well, you know, it's unclear the, the the order of events here actually, but I know what does happen is that um. 
Julie, I think. Oh, she goes, calls Julie to like drive over there. This is what happens. She calls Julie to drive over there. She's like, oh my god, this is, this is scary stuff. <laughs> um, and, uh, Julie hears some kind of like scratching in the boot of her car while she's driving. She's like, that's peculiar. Um, and she pulls over and, uh, she opens the boot. And it's full of crabs and a band of also and a body. It's Max's body. Um and um a crab crawls out of his mouth. <laughs> a crab crawls out of his mouth. Um yes. He's um, got a terrible case of crabs in the mouth. <laughs> um and she slams the boots like ah! and I guess she runs the rest of the way to Julie's. Mm-hmm. Um Not she's Julie. Oh yeah, she she Hamilton. runs to Harrison's. Um, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and really, like this is a bit where she like busts in and Ryan Felipe's uh, was Barry. It's like they like sat really intimately on the bed together. Like anyway, um, they're obviously and, rekindling. Yeah, it's obviously a love Kindle, lost Kindle Town. Um, and um, and anyway, so Kindle eggs. Kindle eggs. <laughs> the Harrison Kindle eggs. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, so then um, she uh, goes like, "Oh my God, there's a crab in the car!" And they they run down. <laughs> Again, the, she doesn't uh, mention the body as well. Which yeah, is the main also the body. There's <laughs> <laughs> just mainly crabs. Anyway, anyone want any free crabs? Uh, they're beautiful. There's um, been quite a shocking crab in feet. A dead body. That I've got to remember. Brackets dead body. Um, anyway, and so they get back to the car. They like Ryan Felipe Barry opens the boot, and there is no crabs, and actually everything looks very dry and normal. Crab and there's like starter cables and just normal car things. And she's like, "No, it was there. I promise." Um and uh and Barry's like, Yeah, I'm sure or something annoying. <laughs> um and then they're like, Oh actually I do believe you. I've come around for some <laughs> right. reason. Um <laughs> well. let's go and uh have a let's go and talk to Ray about this because he's the only one that hasn't had anything really horrible happen to him. Um so instead of talking with his mouth, um he talks with his fist and he punches Ray in the face. Um What's your little... Because when does the bit where she goes, uh, what do you want? I this. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, no, maybe it's before. I think it might be before. Oh, yes. So anyway, um, I, I skipped an iconic scene, which is uh, much memed and taken the piss out of, where, um, and also Sean found out an interesting fact that I didn't know afterwards, so she can uh, jo- jump in. Oh, I, I will, since, um, since, since it's my news. <laughs> yes, uh, which I didn't believe. Um, anyway, so um, this at this point... Uh, uh, Julie, like, uh, just, like, starts screaming into the air, like, what do you want? Why <laughs> And she's, like, spinning in the road, like, while she's screaming. It's funny, because um, we watched Scary Movie fairly recently, and the bit that that's parodied in there, and you don't really need to parody it, because it's, it's already ridiculous. Um, but I, I, for some reason, the other day, I, I had been watching some shit YouTube video or something, and I, I, it rang a bell, and I was just like, oh, I kind of think that this scene was written by a child. And I said it to Alex, and they were just like, it, that is not true. <laughs> and I was like, no, I mean, it's doesn't so, sound I know, true. I, I know there's a screenwriter also wrote Scream. I don't think the child wrote Scream. But then I looked no, it up, and it turns out that it was like a competition for a child. Why would you let a child write, a, direct, write and direct a scene in a horror film? Like a teenager, maybe, but not like a... 
Yeah. Like a, a toddler. It's such <laughs> a weird story. It is. So a child wrote and directed that scene. Yeah. And there's a, it was from an interview with Jennifer Love Hewitt, and she was just like, yeah, it was embarrassing because it just seemed a bit over the top, but it actually became a really important bit of the film. It's like, yes, not necessarily for the right reasons, though. <laughs> yeah. Um... So then they, they um, anyway, so they go and visit Ray and he gets punched in the face and then they decide that they can't actually turn on each other and they have to stick together. Um, and so uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, Julie, says, uh, we need to go back to Missy and find out who Barry Blue was with this book. Um, and, um, and... Uh, because uh, Buffy's older sister, Sm... Uh, uh, Elsa yeah was in the same year as she has the yearbook so she has the yearbook sure um so yeah she has the yearbook and um at this point when um yeah when um, yeah anyway so uh, like he when she says Barry Blue like um Ray looks all like oh how do you know that name um Anyway, um, but just Barry, Billy, Billy Blue, that's it. Um, and, um, and she's like, oh, that's the thing. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, she, when she's like, let's go to the farm, drop some Missy. He's like, I'm not going there. Um, and so it's like, okay. Um, so he, I don't know what he does at this point, but they all split off separately. Um, but so. <laughs> I mean, so, it's, we're, we're, the viewer is supposed to believe that he is in some way involved because he tends to be quite absent for long stretches yeah um and also he works in the fishing place yeah and he says his father was a fisherman um all murderous qualities um (laughs) so um so yeah so anyway barry and um helen go to the pageant because helen has to uh the serving queen Juan has to um, retire her ret- crown yes, and, to the newbie, and uh, really, um, Barry's just sat on the front of the like the the what like a float. Oh, oh, know, oh no, yeah. float. Um, just like scowling, looking around mm. for the murders. Um, <laughs> and, um, and it's just, I don't think you're allowed to sit there anyway. Um, and Julie goes off to Missy, Missy again. This film with Missy is stupid because it's like at this point she like when Judy goes and she's by herself she notices that there's like a dead turkey hung up and then notices all the skins and she's like oh my god this is way more like feral than it was last time I came or something um, and then like Judy like Missy appears with a knife. And um, she's like, whoa! But I think Missy just been like doing whatever she was doing. And it, it, there's no peril, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like really whooped up in a really ridiculous way. Um, anyway, so she starts talking about Billy Blue again. And Missy's like, what the fuck are you even doing here again, bitch? Uh, <laughs> get your, sk- your skanky fringe out of my house. Um, no. And, um, and she's just like, why are you talking about this? Like, um, and then she starts saying, like, oh, I know your brother was killed. And it's like, oh, no, you commit suicide. He's like, what? It's like, oh, I found this note. And it's written in the same pen as the, I still know what you did last time, that note. Um, and, um, and she's like, oh, what did it say on it? It's like, you are bad or something. Anyway, no, I can't remember. Um, I, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, so it, it, it isn't written like a suicide note. It's more like a threat. Yeah, the more we talk about this, the more holes I'm picking in the plot, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so then she's like, Oh, wait, 
Uh, and then she's like, oh, uh, but yeah, it was your brother that was fat. And he has like a tattoo on his arm. I was like, no, he doesn't have a tattoo. Um, and he's like, oh my God. So, um, oh, I just made the connection point, there. And yeah. the tattoo said Susie. Yes. Um, ah. so then she realizes that, um, it wasn't actually her brother. It was someone else they'd thrown in the water. And it wasn't, in fact, David Egan. Doom, doom, doom. Anyway. Um, so, oh, there's also a bit of backstory about David Egan that's kind of important that I haven't talked about at all. So, um, David Egan, who was the person they found, um, the year before they thought they killed him, was in a, a car accident with his girlfriend at the time called Susie. Um, and Susie was killed, but he was fine. And, um, he was very regretful and everyone oh, town blamed him. Okay, I missed that. Yeah. Um, it's, so, considering not much happens in this film, it's quite a convoluted story. Yeah. Um, um yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I think it's weird because they could have made it more like, ah, but instead they make it like, oh, what? Who? Uh, anyway, um, so, so she's figured out what's happened. She, obviously nobody has mobile phones since the 90s, so no one can get in touch with each other. Um, anyway, so we're back at the pageant. It's a shame you couldn't message on your little Tamagotchis. Oh, <laughs> Tamagotchi. Anyway, um, so, um, so Helen's riding on the float still, um, while all this Julie nonsense is happening. And, um, and, uh, she's like looking around, like she's some kind of like, yeah, looking, scouting around for like peril, um, which I don't think must be very entertaining for the crowds, but anyway. <laughs> um, and, um, and she sees someone, uh, a slickerman, and she's like, uh, right, Barry, there! And Barry chases him and gets off and just pushes people out, like, get out of my way! Um, and then, um, like basically like, like knocks them over onto the ground. And turns out when he's a little old man, yeah, he's a little he bald just man. Even say sorry. Uh, no, he? and um, and he's got really big eyebrows, and he looks like a turtle. And the old man's just going, ooh, oh, ooh. Yeah. and um, Ryan Cleaver's tucked in his shirt. Yeah, he's frightened. and Barry's just like, oh, what? It's not you, or something. It doesn't say sorry. As opposed to, I'm sorry, kind sir. That was my bad. Well, that was my I'll bad. Help you. I have knocked an old man to the ground, <laughs> for which I am greatly sorry. He'll probably die. I'll probably die. None of my business. Be sure the water. <laughs> Bye. Um. Anyway, so uh, so that means. Well, actually, yeah, nothing actually that bad happens. Oh, no, so, yeah, Helen's still on the float, looks up and sees another Slickerman, and this is Not the... another yeah, one. Yeah, this is the real Slickerman. Yes, because he's he got the hook. hook. And she's like, yeah! Um, and she tells Barry, and he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll, go, I'll keep my eye out from the balcony at the back where nobody else is, and I'm alone. Um, and so she's on, <laughs> she's on the stage, um, Helen, as the reigning champion, and she has to watch <laughs> the performances from the uh, the other uh, contestants. And there's an amazing, like, tragic woman singing Fame, um, and in a really, like, shrill, awful way. And, like, I was going to say Buffy. Um, Helen's just looking at her, just, just says, under her breath, Jesus. <laughs> it's like, it reminds me, can you remember when on Drag Race, where Thorgy Thor goes, Oh, Jesus, gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, so, um, so, then, <laughs> so then she looks up at uh, uh, Barry and um, notices the Slickerman's up there. And, uh, and she starts running through the crowd screaming. 
It's gonna get an indiscernible screaming. This um, is the scene. And I I feel like it might also happen on screen. I feel like there's someone on the stage watching someone up in the gallery at the back, or in the stalls or whatever they're called, and is trying to get someone's attention, but they think they're acting. Unless that's on the scary movie. No, but I have seen that. I think that is I, in the screen. I think it's in Scary Movie, you know. And I think <sighs> the reason that we've... can't reference Scary Movie. It's not a real film. <laughs> anyway. No, but Scary Movie is referencing Scream and uh, I Know What You Did Last uh, Summer. Right, right, right. So they, so they parody this scene, but with the Scream mask instead, which is probably why I'm conflating it. A scary movie has ruined a lot of moments in a lot of films for me. I don't. I didn't enjoy it one jot, and I don't remember any of it. Anyway, um, it's really offensive and horrible. Oh, it's, it's, it's really. It's also. It's just like, why does this horror parody film have to be so racist? Like, yeah, where is this homophobic and rape jokes? Yeah, it's just all awful. I don't. I don't watch viewers. It's the opposite of everything we like. Um, I do quite like it. Shut up! You like that at the time. You don't like it now. No, you're not allowed. Anyway, um, so, uh, so anyway, so she's screaming. She's being like, in the way that it always happens in films, being held back by millions of people. It's like, why would you do that if you saw someone trying to, like, run through a crowd? Why would you grab someone and stop them? It's, like, such a stupid film trope. It also reminds me of a little bit that I always think of on the film Amelie, where she... <laughs> <laughs> Another iconic reference! <laughs> where, where she gets a clue that leads her to a statue that's pointing, and uh, there's something that says, only a fool, uh, when someone's pointing, only a fool looks at the finger. And it's like, why are they all focusing on her when she's pointing up? None of them turn to look where she's pointing. Uh... Um... So that's okay. that reference. Um, <laughs> I'm just seeing how many, how many obtuse references I can get. I in. know another thing uh, about fingers. Um, anyway, um, so um, so eventually they let her go, and then she goes up to the balcony, and there's nobody up there. And uh, the police look around, they can't see anyone. And they're like, your parents are worried about you. And then we see a little shot of some blood on the, the banister. Um and so, at uh, this juncture, <laughs> the guy comes and collects the crown off her, which is very sad. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we are actually going to need this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, the police guy's like, oh, I'll drive you home. And um, in the car, it's like she's talking about all the kind of peril. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm a stupid man. I don't believe you. And she's like, it's true. And he makes some reference to the hook. Uh, oh yeah, like a hook urban horror story, yeah. and um, and, um, and then the, the road is blocked, so he goes down inside alley, and there's like a car pulled up, and he's like, "Looks like this guy needs some help," and so he gets out of the car and he goes up, and uh, the bonnet's open in this car, and then we realise it's Slickerman, and she starts screaming. <laughs> and he looks around. She's like, behind you, behind you. And he's you, just like, looking at her. You're just like, what? Again, behind? look where she's pointing yeah. at her. Uh, what, uh, behind who? <laughs> um, and obviously the policeman then gets uh, horribly garroted um, and killed. She, um, Which is good, because cab. Yep. And uh, she manages to smash the window out of the car and climb out through the glass in a little high heels and a little slinky dress. And so like a little silky slip. A silky slip. Um, and she's uh, running around the alleyways and she runs towards uh, Shiver's store. 
Um, and uh, inside, is her name Ellen? Yeah. I think it's... Uh, 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 Aline or something. Elsie. Uh, 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 maybe. Because um, I said she should be called Smelsy. Yeah. If you want an insight into our highbrow, <laughs> uh, if you've not already had enough. <laughs> um, so she's just like... Um, let me in, let me in, I'm being chased. And Smelsy's just like, oh, I've got to get the keys. Stop. Gently slinky, with slinky. <laughs> Don't believe you, I'm a bitch. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, stinky dick. <laughs> <laughs> stinky dick. Um, so she eventually opens the door and she's like, what's wrong? She's like, oh, the guy, there's a guy trying to kill me. And you still lock the back door and I'll call the police. Um, so Smelsy casually saunters to the back door. Um, Jennifer saunters. Uh, to the back door. <laughs> and uh, the, unfortunately, it's already open, and uh, the 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 murderer is inside already, and uh, and she does get killed at this juncture, um, which is kind of hilarious. It's funny because like this murder, I think, is quite mild. She kind of just like you just see her smush against the window. I think most of the murders are pretty mild. Um, and there's like quite fluorescent red blood splashed on the window it's quite kind of like fakey um anyway um so so yeah so then um she realizes that uh Smelsy's not around um and uh i don't know why she just goes back down into the store and uh, she's looking around and uh, all the mannequins are covered in plastic sheets which i said seems silly because as if you cover all the mannequins and plastic sheets every night when you lock up but anyway... And I said it seemed COVID safe. Yes. <laughs> keep the mannequins safe. Um, and um, and then one of the mannequins isn't actually a mannequin. It's Slickerman, who's gone down there, very gently placed a black tissue plastic sheet very silently over himself, <laughs> and is hiding, waiting for her. Um, I think um, he's already spent a night in a closet, and he's obviously not in a rush. Um, Tonight I'm going to paint her nails. <laughs> Horrible colours, <laughs> browns. <laughs> anyway, um, so um, so then um, so then she he like jumps out and she's like ah, um, and there's just lots of her like running around the shop. She gets into this giant like not lazy Susan, what are they called? Like d- dumb waiters. <laughs> that's it. Um, <laughs> lazy Susan's okay. like spinning things on the table. We know very good like running. <laughs> <laughs> him like turning it towards like no <laughs> or, like chasing around <laughs> so they're running around the giant lazy season um, <laughs> then the dumb waiter comes to rescue um, but yeah it's this giant platform I guess that's for the shop and so she winches herself like up yeah, into the attic of the shop uh, she does a lot more running around and he's running after her she ends up jumping out of a window um, onto some sort of like rubbish, I guess. Um, uh, and yeah, and she's sort of okay, surprisingly. Um, I mean, she doesn't, the she's not the best. Um, and so she continues running. Um, she sees the fireworks from the thing and realizes that if she runs towards them, she'll find people. And so she's running towards the fireworks and the parade and she sees it. She's running and then Slickerman is in a pile of tires mm. and gets her. 
Um, we don't see her die, and no. we don't know whether she dies, um, and we still don't know this day. I said it would be funny if as she was running away, she lays all of the tyres out so that he has to like run through them like an obstacle course. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't, she Sadly, dies. It doesn't she <laughs> Or does she? She does, maybe. Um, I guess maybe with like, because we don't know whether Ryan Felipe's character dies either, really. So I wonder if they did no, that. No, we do. We see him get killed. No. We see the blood. Um, but we don't see his body. I think he's... Um, anyway, so I wonder whether they did that just in case they wanted to bring them back for the sequels. Um, yeah, maybe. Anyway. But you'd think, seeing as though the last scene is a year later, it would be like, oh, everyone's alive still. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Anyway. I don't know. Um, so, uh, at this point, well, <laughs> Julia arrives back in town, uh, goes to the pageant hall, which is empty because it's way past when the pageant happened, um, and then runs to the docks to try and find Ray. Um, while she's explaining to Ray that they didn't actually kill anyone, um, and that actually it was the dad of Susie that they thrown in the water, but he was still alive and he was trying to kill them all. She notices that the boat is called Billy Blue, um, at which point she freaks out and starts screaming. It's like, oh my god, it was you, it was you. Which doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, I guess, she, I don't know what she's thinking. And the thing that makes even less sense is that he says, I can explain. Yeah. And starts to chase her, but never does explain. So, I basically think that... I rem- I thought I remembered what this is. Should I talk about the Billy Blue now? Should yeah. we discuss it now? Because it doesn't come up again. Anyway, so I thought it was that he was going to visit um, Missy because he felt bad about what happened to David Egan and that he actually knew as well who they, they thought was dead. And so he was going to comfort her um, through his guilt um, and made up a name so he wasn't connected. I thought that was very explicitly in the script and in the film, but... Um, maybe I just sort of read between the lines and wrote that story myself when I was a teenager. But well, uh, I mean, you wrote a more effective story than the one that we're actually told. Then, in that case, because... we don't know though what else no. is meant to be. I, I I think it can only be that. Like, there's no. It doesn't make sense otherwise. It's like literally no explanation. Um, because he is obviously the Billy Blue was visiting. And it, that, that's the only thing, the only reason why. Um, but it's weird as well that Missy kind of implies they had a relationship, sort of, maybe. Anyway, whatever. Um, so there's lots of... Missy implies that who had a relationship? Her B- and Billy Blue. She's like, I think there was a little romance for a couple of minutes there, even. Um, anyway, um, so, yeah, strange. I don't know whether this is, like, a different cut or whether that was never in it and I just made up that story. Anyway... Otherwise, mm. it's not in the film. We don't know exactly, but I'm assuming that's what, what the story Unless is. Unless we watch the incoherent cut. Ah! <laughs> you have to really read between the lines cut. <laughs> um, anyway, so as she's running away from uh, him, uh, because why, who knows, she thinks now that he's the killer, even though it doesn't make sense of the story that she's already figured out to be true, um, She uh, he's chasing her and... Um, uh, a random man um, knocks him out and she's like, help me! And he's like, get on my boat, I'll rescue you. And so she gets on this stranger's boat um, and uh, he 
uh, starts driving away in the boat. She looks around and sees all these newspaper clippings and clippings. <laughs> um, disgusting. Uh, <laughs> uh, covered in clippings. Um, and, um, and, uh, and also like photos of them walking around and stuff and realizes that he's the actual color, which she, she already knew. But anyway, she, she figures out that he's the dad of Susie. And, um, and she's like, starts screaming. And so basically she screams it, like, literally. And the boat's called Sweet Susie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so from, like, for the next 15 minutes while she's on the boat, well, she's doing her stuff, but she is also non-stop screaming. Uh, literally, absolutely everything. Um, so, um, so. So, just sorry to go back to this sort of plot hole, but. Sure. Do we think then that Ray knew Susie's dad? No. But they're both, like, a park next to each other. They both work in the fishy thing, um, in the fish lab. Well, it, it is a fishing town. There's probably more than two fishermen. No. No, there's Max. <laughs> is that? Max and he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> a third um, of the fishing industry has... Uh, Billy Blue and Sweet Susie were best <laughs> friends. Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, who knows? I mean, they didn't know each other, but I don't, yeah, I don't think he knew that he was the murderer. Anyway, or the, the murdered... And then a murderer. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, she's like, oh my god. Um, <clears throat> come on. So, if your reading of the plot slash invention of the plot is correct, <laughs> that he, that Ray knew about the Egan, David Egan person, yeah. then he would presumably also know <coughs> about... His girlfriend Susie. Sure. And then I'm just wondering if he could have made a connection, and he did know. I don't know. I mean, I suppose we could we could write our own script here. But <laughs> yeah, there's also the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, so Ray um, wakes up, I guess, from being knocked out, and gets on a little speedboat. Well, I don't know, it's a speedboat. It's like a boat with an engine, um, and chases down the, the fishing boat. And does an amazing action man jump from the boat <laughs> while it's like running onto the fishing boat. Um, and, um, and this, like during this bit, um, like, uh, Julie is running through various bits of the boat. So she goes down and then she goes through a bit and then she goes into an ice bit where they keep the fish and then she comes out another hole and then he's like, she's caught and she's screaming and then like, um, so and she tries to, uh, block the little hatch into the ice bit yeah. with more ice. Yeah. And as she does that, she uncovers bodies. Yeah. But it's unclear whose bodies they are. They're, they're very, like... Uh, I was just say ugly. <laughs> I mean, they're, like, very, like, dis- like distorted, so you can't actually tell it's meant to be. I think it's one a is man and a woman. Um, or it could be Ryan Philippe. It could be Ryan Philippe. Oh, and then the woman could be Sarah Michelle Gellar. Or Smelsa. Smelsa. Um, yeah. I mean, they think, they, they, this is, yeah, the very holy plot, 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 holy. Um, <laughs> uh, and you can't tell, so it's kind of really pointless. It's like, oh, there are bodies, but who are they? Anyway, um, so she, Clive finds out, she finds another hole, and, uh, she, he, the guy opens up and is like, hey! And she's like, ah! Um, at this point, Ray's back on the boat, and, um, they, oh yeah, so, oh, this, uh, 
there's lots going on basically. So there's a bit where like Ray's fighting with him and they get knocked knocks overboard because Julie shouts his name and so he's not paying attention. He then climbs back onto the boat by climbing onto the fishing nets and then climbing up through the nets into the boat again. Um uh so it's very kind of actiony and fast and um and so yeah, so then um she eventually like Ray throws uh, a giant metal kind of like hook winch thing wink, um, <laughs> and it hits him in the face yeah it's a bit home alone that bit yeah I said smackaroni in a pot <laughs> yes. um, and um, and then um, and they think they're okay and then he and then uh, he, the guy gets up again and uh, he says when you leave a man for dead Make sure he's really dead. Mm. And then they... It's the lesson that they should have learned twice now. Um, And um, I didn't really know what happened here. I, like, blinked and missed it. But there's somehow that his arm gets chopped. His hand gets chopped off with the hook on it. So he gets his... He, like, swings the hook and it gets caught up in some ropes. So they... One of them pulls the rope so that it, like, hoists him up. And then it keeps going until it gets to the top and the rope keeps going, so it cuts um, his hand off with the hook. Okay. And then it like he swings down and ends up in the in the in water. The water and disappears. Um so it could still be alive again. Anyway. Because um, all that all that is recovered is his hand and the hook. Yep. So they're back at the dog. Um they see the hand of the hook on the boat, and the police guy is like what you know did this guy have any problems with you and they're like no no none strange danger um and there's a really weird little gross scene where like um like uh freddie prince jr is hugging uh julie and um and it's going like i just missed you and i really want us to be back together and um it's been so hard to be without you and she just says i understand your pain Mm. And then they like hug. It's like, what do you mean? I, I understand your pain. Well, because you missed a bit out, which oh. doesn't make it any better. But because he says you're the only person that understands me, and then she says, "Oh yeah, I know yeah, your yeah. pain." So at this juncture, we have another year later, um, and um, we're back on campus. Uh, Julie's hair is looking great, mm. um, except for obviously the wispy fringe that you hate. Um, <laughs> and um, she's chatting on like a cordless phone, not a mobile phone, um, to what we can assume is Freddie Prince Jr. going, oh my god, I can't wait to see you in New York. And um, I love New York, and I'm really excited about our future, and everything in is New great. York. <laughs> and I love you, and I love New York. Um, and um, and then, like, so she's, and she's like, I've got to have a shower. It's like, I'm just wearing a towel. And then, Stop it. And, um, and then um, unnamed uh, black friend uh, pops in and says, uh, you've got a, a letter. Um, she's like, thanks. Um, and uh, she go, she doesn't go in the shower yet. She goes back to see what the note is, which is weird, rather than showering first. Um, and uh, she sees that it looks the same writing. So you, I still know we did last night note. Um, and she opens it. It's just an invitation to a pool party. <laughs> um, so she now goes back into the shower room, which has now become the foggiest place on the planet. <laughs> Take the mist. Yeah. Um, and uh, she. Um, um, she looks through the mist and she sees in the wind on the glass 
um, someone has written, I still know. And, um, and while she's looking at it all, you get the final jump scare of the movie. Slickerman jumps towards the camera through the glass. And then we cut to black and we hear some more cooler shaker. Go the ginger, dry, dry. Go the ginger. <laughs> I can't remember what the, uh, what the words are. Ginger. Go the ginger. I'm afraid you've got go the gingeritis. <laughs> um, uh, so, let's talk about representation. A sure thing, huh? Um, so, let's talk about women. Let's talk about the ladies. What do you think? Um... I guess, like, um, they're both quite kind of tough, the gals. Um, they do scream. Well, I think that, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's character is more tough. Yeah, she is. Um, Judy's a bit wet, isn't she? Yeah, she, um, I think it follows the same kind of, I mean, this film is not, it doesn't really stand out, I don't think, in many ways, because it just fits so neatly into a time period and also a genre. Mm. But, um, it follows the same pattern as many films from that time where the women are the kind of more responsible mm-hmm. uh, ones. And the men. So, like, at the beginning, they want to tell the truth. Yeah. The men don't. Um, although Buffy is convinced otherwise, um, more quickly yeah. than... Um, so Jennifer Love Hewitt's character is essentially the main character, which I think is odd because it seems for a lot of the time that Buffy is. Yeah. But um, they... She's the kind of like moral centerpiece of it that that is kind of uh that wants to do the right thing, including kind of doing more investigating and digging, even though it potentially is gonna get them into more trouble. Because yeah. she thinks that they should know who it is, um yeah. and is also really warm towards Missy, even when she's quite terrifying. Um so I think um and also like a lot of the nineties films, it seems like it has little moments of real self awareness about the representation of women as well. Yeah. Like at the very beginning when it's talking about the kind of sexism of this like pageant and yeah. she's kind of challenging the guys who are like, oh, where's where she been hiding those boobs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then like her like, like sort of taking the piss out of like the hook as being like a phallic symbol and like yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's quite interesting I guess in that way. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's kind of that kind of intellectualized uh, teenagers. I wonder how the hell they're actually meant to be. Um, and like, yeah, that was such a thing for the time was like Dawson's Creek, where it's like they're all speaking like they're like 50 year old men. Well, they are, so it's not really a high school one because they're all in their first year of, well, two of them, are, they're in that first yeah. year of college, so they'll be like 19, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Maybe older in the US, actually. Yeah, like 1920. Yeah. Um, which is kind of older than most high schooly sort of things. Yeah, that's true. Um, the... Just, and yeah, obviously it, can't, it passed the bachelor test because the, the gals chat to each other. Yeah, and they spend a lot of time with Missy without any yeah, that's men true. there. The sister um, also <laughs> features Smelter. <laughs> She's there. She's smelly. She's so full. Um, uh, yeah. You yeah. know what, my main sort of thing about this film is that I wonder how fondly it would be remembered if it didn't have the same cast that it has. I think our generation is so conditioned to love all of that cast. For good reason. Yeah, I don't want Jennifer Love here. I, I, no, she's a bit of a drink. Yeah. But, um, 
Uh, but yeah, no, true. Free yeah, Press Junior and like Ralph Lippe and Old so, Spuffy. Old Spuffy. Um, um, but yeah, if I think if if it was like a cast of unknowns, I'm not sure this film would have very many redeeming features. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was I was wondering about whether we should have done the faculty. I think we still could do the faculty mm. at some point. Um, and I wonder if that that cast isn't as well known, but I think it's still it's a stronger still, story. That's true, um, and it also stands and out more because strong. it's yeah, the, it's more I mean, like sci-fi as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, selfishly, I want to do this just because I haven't. I've seen all the others of, that are more similar more recently, so yeah, yeah, I want yeah. to kind of no, me too. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not as good as I remember it. But I also would have watched it at the age of, like, last when I was about 12 or something. So. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, no, I absolutely loved it when it came out. Like, I remember being really excited and loving it. And also, I was, like, l- like so literally in love with Freddie Prince Jr. Like, mm. I would die like, watching anything he was in, essentially. Um, yeah. Um, but I think in terms of the representation of women, it is much like all of the other 90s films about this, which is a little bit self-aware, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but ultimately does centre the women. Yeah. Um, and also, the kind of, you know, like when you think of slasher films, you think about the kind of topless women being chased. Mm. It doesn't do that. No. Um, however, it's much more gratuitous, it's much more for the gays, as in G-A-Z-E, right. <laughs> of, of women and gays than it is for the gays of... Yeah. Men, I think in a in an unusual way for that genre. Yeah. Because there's we like the men are kind of I don't know, like oiled up and kind of tight yeah, tops. And, and obviously the, the the whole thing with like Ryan Felipe just in the shower and then just running around in his little towel. It's mm. just like Yeah, it's kind of it's quite kind of unusual really. And I don't know actually it did start I mean, I just think I was just immediately thinking of Ryan Felipe and cool intentions where he's like comes out of the pool and you just see his bum immediately flash into my head and I was like you don't really see men being nude and but films, that was but... that was a real exception at the time. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I remember the film. Can you remember the hole? The hole. Actually, I love the hole. Yeah, well, it's like the bunker thing that they all stay in, and they all kind of go mad. They get trapped. Yeah, yeah, it's dark. Yeah, it? I love that, and that was probably late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, that's like evil lesbian storyline, really, isn't it? Maybe. Anyway, okay, yeah. And there's a shower scene. Where you see like full because f- it's got a similar vibe, but it's a bit darker. It's like teeny. It's more like yeah, it's darker. But um, and there's like full frontal male nudity in that film, it's and a... I, I think that was the first time I'd seen full frontal. Um, I rewound. You never saw a penis. I, I rewound the shit out of that, <laughs> that, v- that VHS. <laughs> Rewounders. I had to wind it back in with a pencil. <laughs> And I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're very often talking about men. Yes. Uh, I think we've wrapped up the women. I think yes. it's good and it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Uh, less so with the others, I think. So, people of colour, there's one character who's the unnamed college friend. Yeah. Um, just is a bit mean to her and then drives her home. Which yeah, is really I, she, weird. she seems to be the secretary and then brings her mail in at the end. Yes! Yeah, so she's a non character that is just. But I also, so at first, when I was writing my notes for this, I said, uh, I, was, I wrote, no people of colour, because I completely forgotten about her, because she's such a non-character. Yeah, no. And I also said that it was unusual for 19, for like 90s high school kind of college things to not have any black characters, I think, even yeah. though they were often very tokenistic, and they weren't like, they were never the, the like central characters, that more often than not were black characters in films from that period. So I think it's, it's quite glaring. Wait, and... None of the main cast of Scream are black, are they? Well, not main cast, but there are more characters right. in general. Yeah. If memory serves. 
Um, yeah, interesting. Um, especially for slashers, because you know, like when when we first saw her, my instant thought was, oh, she'll be the first one ah! killed. Yeah. But of course, she isn't, because she doesn't live in that town. She lives in wherever she goes to university. Yeah, she's just like a plot device. Yeah, well, barely. She's yeah. just a chauffeur. Ah! Um, so yeah, bad That's representation. Bad. Yeah, uh, queer representation. There isn't any. No. Except I kind of think that in a weird way, or and maybe this is just me kind of being nostalgic because I love the 90s so much, but I think there's most 1990s films aimed at younger people have absolutely no queer content, but still manage to be really fucking gay. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Right, like you would say, right, the Ryan Felipe, that scene where he's just like wearing the white vest and this sort of blue baggy jeans um looks just so porny like yeah. just like because such like porn aesthetic um yeah so yeah the so gay think... porn aesthetic specifically that was yeah porn. yeah yeah um but yeah no 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 actual queer and disability did you have anything for that no so i had one little thing which kind of relates more to the kind of mythology of the story, which is the whole idea of a man having a hook for a hand. Mm. It, that, that being kind of like a horror thing. And obviously, mm. the actual man in this doesn't have a hook for a hand. He has no. a, it's a weapon. Um, but I wonder if in the sequels he does have a hook for a hand to replace the one that he's lost. Yeah, I wish I could remember anything about... Yeah. I just I can remember what the post looks like. But, but, um, but yeah, anyway, that's like sort of like a kind of weary trope from horror films that like... Disabilities are kind of really? weaponized as like weapons. terrifying as weapons, <laughs> yes. And in this case, uh, but yeah, no, no representation of disability. No. Shall we whip straight on to the awards, awards, awards? Absolutely. It is time for the. Are you not going to join in? Oh yeah, I got to start It's time for the awards, awards, awards. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that happened. That did happen. So, who is your best character? Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, mine is the uh, the pageant hopeful singing <laughs> singing fame. <laughs> yes, I very much agree. I didn't have one for that, and that is definitely the best. <laughs> agreed. Yes. Uh, what is the spoopiest bit? Um... Uh, weirdly, I mean, I think we both agree we had a jump scare at the very end, that where he jumps out of the shower. I don't know if that, like, a jump scare is a spook, but, um... No, we've used jump scares before. Yeah, I think, um, that's really the only... It's not very scary, I don't think... I remember watching it and being a bit on edge the first time, but I was also... (laughs) Unsettled. A literal child. Yes. (laughs) But... I don't think the scary elements of this have dated as well, or maybe they were never as good as something like Scream. Mm. And the thing with Scream, I remember, is it kind of, it created a kind of new kind of scare, which was about trying to spot the, uh, like, uh, not no face, ghost, ghost face. Right, right. In the crowd or like in a big scene and you'd be like, oh my God, there he is. And it yeah, was that yeah, sort yeah. of like tension, which you kind there's a little moment of it, but it's not scary in this. No. I also, I'm not sure that the, the character himself is very scary. No, he's like, just he kind like of looks a, like Paddington Bear or something. Yeah, he's just like an old dad as well. And his, the big sort of like fisherman hat that he wears yeah. looks exactly like the sort of floppy summer hat that she ah! wears at the beginning. Yeah. And she's all sort of like drawn and wispy. Quartered. <laughs> <laughs> um, so not a spooky film. Uh, Funniest bit? 
Uh, I, I already sort of drew it out, but I think the bit where she goes, Jesus, about <laughs> yeah. the singing woman is yeah. like hilarious. I think there are uh, three funny bits. Well, I, there are a few funny bits, but these were the, I'll, I'll tell you the three that stuck out. The thwoppins. So the, the Jesus bit is funny. Um, and then also, right at the beginning, when she's... Uh, when they're asking the pageant contestants the questions, the person uh, that, uh, that is like comparing says, "In the spirit of Mother Teresa, what will your contribution to the world be?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. And then also at the end, when uh, Jay Hewitts and uh, uh, the murderer are on the boat, and he's just like, "It's the Fourth of July. You, your kids, you should be." Drinking, partying, having fun, running people over. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. Yeah, that was good, um, yeah, actually. Uh, best death? Uh, so, um, I don't know. I, like, they're not very good, the deaths in this. Apart from, I think Max's at the beginning is good. Yeah, that was the one um, I was going to choose, but it's still like... Not incredible. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we were both taken aback by how gruesome it was, though. Yeah, I mean, um, well, it kind of makes sense because the rest of them are so mild. Yeah, it's also the um, the rest of them is more sort of implied deaths, I think. Yeah, but in, I, I, it's not necessarily the hook bit, but it's the way that he drags his head back down mm. to the table so that it whacks off it. Um, yeah, and, and then he sort of yoinks him over the table, like "Get over here." <laughs> yeah, I like that. I can't remember whose body he's carrying, but there's one bit where he's like walking along, like carrying one of the bodies on a hook. That was quite cool. Oh yeah, yeah. but that wasn't. A, I mean, the person yeah. was already dead. Yeah, um, that might have been. I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's yeah, smelly or the police guy. Anyway, um, uh, worst death. Well, probably um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's because you just yeah, don't same. see what happens. It's like she just disappears. And she's so... such a key character. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have additional thoughts of that, which we'll get to. But, um, uh Queerest moment? Uh, Ryan Felipe in the shower. Yeah, I'm going to say Ryan Felipe in his porn outfit. Sure. <laughs> uh, both great choices. Uh, and uh, sexiest character? Uh, I mean, for me, it's Freddie Prince Jr., but I also wouldn't say no to Ryan Felipe. Yeah, I agree, but also I would maybe, maybe, maybe spit roast. Okay. <laughs> if, if I have to, yeah. If, if yeah. I if I have to have sex with one of them, I'll have sex with both of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you insist. Yeah, they are um, the probably the epicenter of many queer awakenings Absolutely. that I would imagine, along with the guy from Babylon Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get on to final thoughts and pumpkins, shall we? Oh, I'd love that. What are your final thoughts and pumpkins? Well, we've already kind of um, alluded to some of it um, in so much as, like, it's quite kind of a messy, incoherent film. And oh, that's a shit it's show. So, it, could have, it could have been easily, like, tightened up with a little mm. bit more dialogue and a little bit more, like, realisations yeah. um, uh, like said out loud. Um, like, it's just like... Yeah, is it called the... It's, is it the exposition? The bit at the end where, you know, like, the the, no. the moment where everything comes together. Right, yeah. Um, that just doesn't happen properly. No, it's like, it sort of fizzles. It's like, really like, what? Who? Um, and you're kind of left to sort of figure out what... I don't know what... Yeah, I wonder if they did that because they, they still wanted it to be the, um... 
the Ray could have been the killer right up until the end, and so they wanted it not to make sense on purpose, but it's stupid because they doesn't add anything. Well, and also it's stupid because then we see it flash forward to a year later and they're all like pally-pally, probably lovers still on the yeah. phone, without being like, so you know how you said you were going to explain about the boat thing and you haven't yet after yeah. a year? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I like It's I, clunky, it's very clunky. Yeah. Um, I, still, I mean, so basically what we're... So just let's, let's be clear so that we, we know in ourselves because I'd like to talk it through. So the guy who was suicidal on the on the cliff at the beginning is the boyfriend. He is David Egan. Egan. Yes. And he's the boyfriend of Susie who he, in a was killed the year before in a car accident. And that pendulum spinning necklace thing yeah. we can assume was Susie's. Um, and then he was murdered by... The old man, the dad of Susie. Yes. Uh, he was drowned by him. Or did he kill himself? Well. Oh, no, he I was think killed he by killed him. him. But it's Because weird. his suicide note was written in the same handwriting as... Yes. Yeah, so he was killed so by the dad. So he was obviously lured to the cliff, but to, and the dad obviously pushed him over. I mean, this is, mm. I'm saying obviously, but I, I don't know. Yes. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Mark. Um, and so the dad... And so that's why... The dad is on the road because he so was it happened there. The same night. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why they end up hitting him because he was wandering around in the road. Yeah. <laughs> After and he was, him into the and water. I guess they were both fisher people, so that's why they were wearing this the same clothes. And his face was all messed up from the cut, so they didn't know who it was. Who it was. Um, but he didn't die. No. Um, and he came back a year later to seek revenge. For his attempted murder? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So the... So then, they don't... The, so that bit is clear, I, I'm clear on. Yeah. It's then the Billy Blue and Ray connection. I think that's sort of, sort of meant to be a red herring. But I think I it muddies it so much on purpose in in a like lazy way. It's an unresolved red herring, yeah. which is... Uh, the most undelicious of the red herring oh, families. It's, yeah, it's disgusting. Um, yeah, just it's annoying. It's just like... Because they could have tied that up and it would have, like... It shouldn't they, be this difficult for, like, a quite light, frothy film. Yes. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, obviously, what we what we just discussed is the case. It's just the, the Billy Blue bit is just like some random like yeah. So stupid what? Bit. So what we do know is that because I guess if they'd have all gone away to college apart from Ray, mm. because he was you know from a poorer background, he was going to college. He was a fisherman. He had his trade, and then he'd done some of his own investigating while the other three were away. Mm. And had come to the same conclusion that it was Billy, no, no, David Egan, yes, who they had killed. And he went to kind of out of guilt, he went to visit Missy, built up some sort of relationship, but didn't want to give his real name. Yeah, that would kind of make sense. But also, they didn't all go to college; only one of them did. So that the so uh, yeah, all of them, bar Jennifer Love Hewitt, were for that whole year still living in that same quite small fishing town. 
Yeah, that's kind of annoying as well, but they just kind of, I guess it would push you away from being friends with people who killed you. I don't know. Would it? I don't know. Like, whether it would, like, draw you together. Or, yeah, I guess you're forever linked, but maybe you wouldn't want to hang out all the time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the fact that they're all in the same time, but they haven't seen each other for a year until this happens is quite strange. Um, yeah, and, yeah, it's just... And it's, it's it makes me sad that Sarah Michelle Gellar's character doesn't end up going away, and it's obviously because she's so traumatised by what happened. That's the, the real sub story. Yeah. The um. So how many pumpkins? Oh, wow. Um. Two point five seems measly, but I mean it's definitely good, like watchable, like fun. Um. Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna say two point five. Okay, so my hot take is, for a slasher, there aren't enough characters. You know, like, I want there to be some more disposable characters in a slasher. Yeah. Like, we only really see Max get killed before the peril starts. Um, Yeah. And uh, the deaths are boring, mostly. Um, the, the, The red herring takes up too much of the plot, is too patchy, is unresolved, is distracts from the main story and complicates it. And why does he kill Max? Actually, great question. <laughs> no reason. Yeah. Literally, no, no reason. reason. It's shit. It's okay. It's shit. It makes no sense. Um, I think the, the script is nonsense. And also, I think most frustratingly, because I thought the same thing that you thought when, with the amb- ambiguity around Sarah Michelle Geller's death, and also I thought it wasn't ambiguous, but maybe it was around uh, Barry Barry's death, and the fact that. When they kill him, we don't actually believe that he's dead because there's only his hand that's mm. there. Um, it's a lazy setup for a sequel. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like the whole last half of it is just setting up for what's going to come because they probably, well, they did make a sequel and it was as big as they thought it was going to be, I guess, but like yeah. it just wasn't as good as Scream. It yeah. could never be Scream. Um, on the plus side, the cast is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it's lovely to see them. It's lovely to see you guys <laughs> again. Just catch up with the, looking, with the gang. Looking young and beautiful uh, and prime. Um, and it's kind of nostalgic and fun. Yeah. But I, for once, am going to be less generous than you and say two pumpkins. That's fine. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, it just it feels weird because it does feel like such a classic. Like, I was surprised, like, how... Like, I was going to say threadbare. Um, but, like, how just, I don't know, just, like, not very good at it. It's, it's almost the opposite of threadbare. It's threadful. Oh, absolutely threadful. <laughs> thread, threadful. <laughs> but the threads do not a beautiful rug make. No. <laughs> it's I'll a, go back It's a shag pile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a minger. Oh, well. Okay. It's time. You rather caught me off guard there. It's time. So for once, I'm going to tell a spooky story. Oh, what? <laughs> you are welcome. Um, but it's also a bit more sort of thrillery. Um, and just a quick content noting: there's a brief, very, very brief mention to some, to a sexual assault, but it will be very brief. Um, so, allow me to take you and our dear listeners on a whistle-stop tour of uh, 
of a, a dark and dreadful night oh, no. in uh, on February the twenty second, nineteen forty six, at a quarter to midnight. And uh... um, so we find ourselves in Texarkana, which is a region that bridges Texas and Arkansas. Oh, um, and twenty five year old Jimmy Hollis. And his 19-year-old girlfriend, Mary Jean Larry, um, <laughs> pull over in Jimmy's car into a secluded spot known as Lover's Lane after watching a movie together. I wonder how many Lover, Lover's Lanes there are. Well, loads, because just in, in reading this story, there's like four just in Texacana. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, the I guess it's like dogging spots before dogging spots. <laughs> dogging for teenagers. <laughs> yes. Um... So they, um, but also it feels like a very American thing because I think here, like teenagers just go and like finger each other in a bus stop or something, don't they? Yeah, we don't really <laughs> drive around in cars. No. But they, they drive from like 16 there, don't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. what we do here, don't we? 17. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. I, 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 I was born to be driven, not to be So, uh, yeah, they've been to a movie, they're doing some smooching. And then shortly before midnight, a man with a mask that looks like a pillowcase with its eye holes, with eye holes cut out, um, uh, shines a flashlight through Jimmy's window and orders the two of them out of the car. He forces Jimmy to get out of his britches um, and then strikes him on the head with the pistol uh, twice, fracturing his skull. And Mary would later report that the strikes were so loud uh, that she uh, mistook them to be gunshots. Oh my God. So she thought he'd been shot. The attacker then t- told Mary to run away. But as she did, he chased her, uh, hit her with the pistol, <clears throat> and then sexually assaulted her with the pistol. And then when she uh, she came around, he was gone, and she ran to a house and woke the family there and called for the police. So they both survived this attack. This is a true story. Yes. Okay. They both survived this attack, but both Mary and uh, Jimmy remembered the assailant differently. So Mary, they both remembered him having a pillowcase over his head and being about six foot one. But Mary described him as a black man. Jimmy remembered him as a white man. So this meant that the investigation couldn't really go anywhere uh, because they had conflicting views of the two witnesses. Um, And it also led police to believe that uh, they must have known who it was and be covering up for him. Oh. Um, I don't think you'd cover up for a friend who raped you. Anyway. Anyway. Well, quite. <laughs> um, so, over a month later, uh, the attacker struck again. Uh, between 8.30 and 9am on March the 25th, a passing motorist saw a parked car on... A lover's lane, not the same lover's lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, in it, the motorist found the bodies of Richard Griffin, 29, and his 17-year-old girlfriend, Ooh. Polly Ann Moore. Yes, it was the 40s. Yeah. So maybe that was less gulch. Um, uh, they'd both been shot, uh, and uh, the man's body was found in the, like, foothold at the front. Not foothold, like, in between... Uh, what's it called? Like, where you put your feet in yeah, front of the car? Yeah, what is called? Footwell. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yes. That sounds weird. Uh, yeah, in, I don't know. In the car shoe. <laughs> um, anyway, he the was car in, nook. He was he was crouched down in that, uh, and the uh, and the uh, the girlfriend Pollyanne was in on the back seat. Um, 
but nearby there was a muddied and bloodied blanket on the grass, suggesting that at least one of the shootings took place outside of the car. Gross. So, uh... Gross. Yes. So, uh, a couple of weeks later, on April 13th, two more murders took place. Um... The bodies of 15-year-old Betty Jo Booker and her friend Paul Martin, who's 17, uh, were found two miles away from each other and a mile um, uh, and a mile away from the car that they had driven home in. Uh, Paul had picked up Betty Jo after a gig uh, for a regular gig she had playing the saxophone in a band. Um, they were just friends. He just picked her up, um, and she'd been shot twice, and he'd been shot four times. Ugh. Five days later. In a press conference, uh, Captain Gonzalez uh, asked for locals not to gossip or spread rumours as it was hindering progress in the investigations. Um, and then on May the 3rd, 37-year-old farmer Virgil Starks, which is a good name, mm. and his wife Kate um, <laughs> were shot in their home. She survived and apparently he had been sitting... Uh, he'd been sitting, like, reading or something when he was shot, and he was sitting on, like, a heating pad that you plug in that's, like, a sort of, like, uh, for, like, a bad back or something. Right. And he was... Uh, and when they when they came... Because she ran out of the house after she'd been shot and, like, crawled to another house and rang the police. And when they got to the house, he apparently... Uh, the heating pad had started to, like, kind of blaze... And it looked like he was on the electric chair because it was, like, steaming when they came in. Uh, yeah, spooky. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, this story doesn't really have much of a resolution because oh. that, those were the last of the murders. So there were eight in total, or eight uh. attacks because the first two didn't die. Um, so there is another murder that was potentially linked to the same thing, but that was some time later. So that whole kind of spree lasted about two months. Um, but the uh, the... They're known as the Texacana Moonlight Murders and remains unsolved to this day. However, many believe, including some of the investigators, that it was a man called Ewell Lee. Uh, oh, sorry, Ewell Lee Swinney. Ewell Lee. Ewell Lee. No, Ewell Lee. Yeah. Um, um, who was like a petty career criminal uh, known for like car theft and stuff. He was the only major suspect. He also, as a side note, was a white man. So if he was the person, then Jimmy was correct and not Mary. Um, and... Uh, he was eventually imprisoned for unrelated crimes to do with theft uh, and was uh, he was given life. He was released in 1973 and died in 1994, but this has never been confirmed. So why am I telling you this? The, the, the reasons are twofold. Mm. Uh, reason the first is that in 1976, uh, this story was made into a film, uh, which was a thriller uh, called The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Um, and, it was, oh. and it was... Uh, it was then later re-released, uh, or sorry, remade as a horror uh, that we saw at the London Film Festival in 2014 yes. with the same name. But it was much more of a slasher when it was yeah. made at the time. Um, the film was controversial because it was, uh, the the tagline for the film was, uh, only the names have been changed. And it was, it, the, apparently the original film in the 70s was very faithful to what actually happened. So wow. it was, it was unresolved. It was, they just documented the murders essentially. Right. Um, and the adverts for the, uh, for the film claimed that, um, that, you know, uh, the peril from these murders still lingers today because right. it was unsolved. And, <gasps> and the people of Texarkana were like, well, we're trying to forget this. This was okay. like 30 years ago now. We don't want it to think that there's this big black cloud of murder hanging over. So it was quite controversial. Um, so the second reason why I'm telling you this 
is because many believe that this uh, series of murders was the inspiration behind the urban legend that became the story of the man with the hook. Oh. So, um, the the hook story, which I'll give a, a version of it, which is there are two people in a sort of lover's lane thing at night, mm. a straight couple smooching, and then one of them can hear either scratching or dripping. They hear on the radio that a, a lunatic has escaped <laughs> from a local asylum who's got a hook for a hand. And then something happens along the lines of one of them sees a figure outside, one of them goes out, the man goes out to get it. He he doesn't find anyone, he comes back to the car and she's been slashed with a hook. Mm. Or uh, there's they decide to drive home because they're scared and then when they get home there's a hook stuck in the top of the car or in the door or something. There are lots of variations of this similar thing. Mm. And uh, this so, so this story became well known in the 1950s, which would have only been like what, like four or five years after these crimes happened. And it later became more widely known in a story that appeared in the 60s in a very well-known advice column called Dear Abby, where someone kind of uh, told this story as fact. (laughs) What is your advice? As, as like, a warning to young people being out at night. And ultimately... It's thought that it's kind of theorised that the hysteria around this story, it was actually just a bit of a morality tale to scare yeah. like young people from uh, from like, this is what happens if you have sex, yeah. or this is what happened if you... You die. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my spooky story. Was this one spooky enough? It was actually. Yes. <laughs> and it was kind of more horrifying because it's actually real murders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well done. So, thank you. Have you ever been murdered? murdered? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've asked each other before. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask enough, the answer will eventually change. Yes. Okay. I've been murdered. Uh, no. Have you? Have you ever been to a lover's lane? <laughs> uh, so I did go dogging for my twenty-first birthday. <laughs> Is this true? It sounds so really? silly when you say it out loud. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know if this is the right forum to be shared. <laughs> no, I didn't engage in dogging. We uh, we drove to a nice dogging spot on my birthday. <laughs> what so, you know, Well, nothing, because there were about 12 of us crammed into a tiny car. <laughs> oh. Did you know it was a dogging spot? <laughs> Did anyone get involved in the dogging? No. <laughs> we were just we we were more like sort of silent. Well, there were people dogging around. Oh, yeah, loads. Did anyone dog around your car? Yes, people were flashing their phones at us and stuff. <laughs> just their phones. Um, what do you mean, flashing phones? It's like a way that you communicate when you're dogging. You sort of like... Oh. Uh, I think it, you used to do it with your car lights. You'd like flick them or something. Oh. But now you just like put the torch on or put your phone on like kind of signal with that. Um, yeah. yeah so my friend who drove us there was quite up on uh, the etiquette of, of doggery. Oh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't get murdered. No. I think there were too many of us to make. It would have made a good slash film, though, because there were enough of us for some of us to really be dispensable. Really good directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, as the only queer there, it, it would have been It'd me. It'd be. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at uh, Bloody Mary's Podcast, all one word, 
and it's Mary's with a Z. Of course. Of course. And like to say a big shout out thanks to uh, Pink Pound for the awesome theme tune. Um, and you can follow them at Pink Pound Sound on Instagram. And as always, if you've enjoyed Bloody Mary's, please like, subscribe, leave a review if you're able to, and tell all of your friends. If you have any. <laughs> <laughs>